when it comes to sex, even the most deeply committed and head over heels in love couples are likely to go through periods when uh, intimacy happens rarely or sometimes not even at all. Uh, usually there's an obvious and logical reason, perhaps the birth of a baby or a financial setback that's got both partners feeling anxious or stressed. But a lack of physical closeness can, of course, put a significant strain on a relationship. So it's important to prevent uh, a temporary dry spell from reaching the level uh, of a no end in sight drought. And at night on Under the Covers, we discover some of the best ways to spice up your sex life, get it out of a rut and back on track with clinical sexologist and sex therapist, Dr. Rian van Veek. Rian, great to have you back with us uh, this Thursday evening. What, in your experience, are some of the more common reasons why a couple's sex life perhaps goes off the boil? Yeah, you know, there are uh, quite, a, quite a number of reasons. Uh, sometimes people feel that it's the, um, the age of the relationship, the time that you spend in relationships, you, you get into a rut and you don't change it up a bit. And then you get into a sexual rut and the desire or the, the flame sort of dwindles a bit. But obviously, things like stress, uh, as you've said, uh, can be a, a, a passion killer. And um, other things like relationship discord as well. So in, in, in my practice, it's sort of all these three things. And the expectation, you know, sometimes the expectation that you're in a stable relationship, we, we know and love each other, we built up some level of trust and security and intimacy. And if you don't give each other space and, 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 and bring in some novelty into your relationship, obviously you, you'll get stale. You know, I, if you eat tuna salad when you're on a diet every day, after a while, you know, that you, you'll, you'll dread to even look at you now, that type of thing, you know. <laughs> so essentially it is about keeping things, uh, keeping things fresh. And I guess, you know, one can get into a rut where things are a little bit, um, a little bit staid, a little bit, uh, you know, pedestrian. Um, but then there's a difference between, well, you're, well, you're still having sex, but it may be a little bit sort of samey. And then to the point where actually you've stopped having sex. When do you think that couples need to, or, or the red flag should go off in terms of it's, it's really, you know, it's been a week now, it's been a couple of week, weeks. When do, when do the red flags for you start start flying when it comes to, uh, I guess, qu- um, quantity and uh, or uh, frequency of sex? Yeah, you know, we one shouldn't look at frequency per se. Um, mm. Couples, when when one of the partners ex- is experiencing uh, this dissatisfaction and, and getting frustrated, or you know, voice that you know something's wrong. I think that's the correct time to start to look at it. Uh, sometimes it's a bit too late. You know, we, we need to try and keep our relationships afresh. Children obviously can be a passion killer because you, you work long days, you get tired at home, you have to look after the children. And, and it's in that time that I advise couples to plan sex. And normally they would say, ah, it's Patreon, you know what, this is now... Where's the spontaneity in that? Mm, mm. And then I'll, I'll refer back to them and say, you know, and I, I think I mentioned it earlier on one of the previous programs. It's actually sort of a myth, you know, to a large degree, we plan and we, we create this anticipation and that cre- keeps your, your passion alive. So, you know, go back to sort of dating uh, one another a bit. Uh, now, Sometimes there's an expectation that you have to do it every day. But when you were dating, you didn't do it every day. So 
keep sort of a schedule and plan fun into your life as well. One of the things that people often think about when it comes to sex is, or the reasons that things may have uh, sort of slowed down a little bit, is, well, well, I'm always the one that initiates it, and he or she never initiates it. How important is it to, even if, you know, you have got into a routine where one of you is the initiator, that actually you switch that up sometimes, and that if normally you're not the one who's jumping on your partner, that you change that, and that sometimes it is you that, that, that initiates sex? Yes, I think that is important, and that that is open communication. We do get the more aggressive partner, and it's not always the man. You know, as as uh, stereotype uh, st- the stereotypical uh, opinion is. Uh, in many of my uh, my in my practice, many of the women are frustrated with the men because of stress and whatever the case may be that that they aren't that in- initiating anymore, and they are initiating their sexual play every time it's important at that stage before it becomes a problem to open up communication and tell your partner your desires and then if you're the the, the passive partner if you want to call it that you know compliment your partner and, and you know uh, pull up your socks and and do something at least some of the time because that will create so, the, the the feeling of desire in the in the frequently initiating partner as well so i think you're right it is a bit of you know taking on the, re- the relationship responsibility to be uh, participative as well. In some instances, it may be that the partners are looking outside of a relationship um, or outside of the relationship um, to fulfill their, their sexual fantasies and, and to fulfill their sexual desires. Is that yes. always problematic? Is that always not okay? And, and whether that be um, with, through pornography or um, I don't want to say masturbation because that, that I don't consider I wouldn't consider that to be going outside of a relationship. But but perhaps a, a, a third party or uh, is that is that always wrong? Is that always a problem? It is a problem when it is in secret, when you don't have the consent of your partner, because there's a social contract between you and your partner in terms of some sort of fidelity. But there are many other ways that, and about 11 to 12% of people these days go into other, you know, non consensual non monogamy, like swinging or. Mm. Um, open relationships or then even uh, polyamory. Now, swinging is where you go in and, and play with other people. Uh, you know, uh, open relationships is where sexuality outside of your relationships uh, is allowed. But uh, polyamory is where sex and love is allowed and and your primary relationship remains the your primary relationship and the responsibility. And I think that even people with a value system of monogamy can learn from these partners, from these type of couples that, that are successful because they open up communication, they open and honest about their desires, they lay down the rules, and they, and, and they make their sex lives interesting. So you don't have to go that route as a, uh, if you have monogamous value system. Learn from them. Open up the communication. Do some experimentation. Do some sexting during the day. You know, keep keep things interesting. We always speak about the importance of of communication, and, and and so often that is at the heart of of any problems within a relationship, whether they be um, sexual or, or otherwise. But when yeah. when we're talking about communication, and perhaps in order to uh, get a relationship or, or get a, a sex life out of a rut. 
how can one go about making either feeling comfortable talking to your partner about your fantasies or conversely um, allowing your partner to feel comfortable talking about their fantasies how does one start broaching those conversations because I'm quite sure um, and and I guess it's it it may be getting less and less that the sort of further down the line we get but you know I, I wonder if you know hundreds of years ago people were openly saying well actually darling I'd quite like you to spank me or whether we've but we were so conservative uh, back then that actually those conversations weren't okay yeah uh, you have to start somewhere I think you know start with if you know each other already for a while start with things that you think may be non-threatening to your partner make a suggestion and see how they respond before you go for the more adventurous stuff you know don't build a, a frame in your in your uh, bedroom with a chandelier that you're you can hang on from without your partner knowing that, you know, <laughs> and coming home to this big surprise. Do it stepwise. And, and I think that's the, the crux. You, we, we need to become sensitive to each other. And, you know, trust is built over a period of time. And the same with rapport. And the more you build it, the more at, um, adventurous you can be and adventurous also, you can also be in your communication. Mm. When, like, like stepwise. Uh. Yeah, yeah. What, what kind of fantasizing is okay in the bedroom? I mean, it is, is anything goes. We spoke about this before, the idea of, you know, if you are fantasizing about a previous partner, then probably not ideal. But if you're fantasizing about, you know, a, a celebrity or, uh, or, or a figure of fantasy, then that's probably more acceptable. Um, let's just talk through that again. Okay. All people fantasize to some level, to some degree. And I think fantasies are normally not even okay, it's desirable. But when you fantasize about another real-life partner that you have contact with, that can be problematic. Uh, why? Because it will impact, or it may, it, it, it's not guaranteed, but it may impact your relationship. But obviously, fantasies about, if you're a woman, about George Clooney, you know, in a, in a, in a speedo, <laughs> You know, it's not for for most people attainable. So, it, it it's not dangerous, and it and it's and it can actually aid the relationship and create some excitement excitement in the in your in your bedroom. So, it also depends on the partners and your own the level of your sexual self esteem. That if you have a good sexual self esteem, you know you will allow and and you won't feel threatened if you share a fantasy that may threatening to someone else so it's again get to know your partner get to know yourself but try to steer away from previous partners or people that you know that you get in contact with if you if you're someone and you fantasize about your boss for instance mm. i don't think that's that's too healthy because it may carry into your relationship uh, for, for I think for, for the majority of people. Yeah, yeah. In your experience, what is the what impact does let's say completely unrelated but outside stress have on a sex like sex life? So if you're con- con- continually worrying about uh, you know the kids' school grades, or if you're continually worrying about money, or the fact that you know the boiler needs replacing, or are you going to get that that promotion? Can that creep into the bedroom? Definitely. Yeah, it's not only sex-related stress that mm. can hinder your sex life. Any type of stress, because it raises the cortisol levels, it, 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 it may reduce the testosterone in men because of that. 
which will reduce sexual desire. Female sexual desire is a bit more complex. It's, it's a, the stress in the relationship translates into desire and arousal type of problems. And uh, yes, for sure, stress needs to be managed. Stress is a killer of libido, and it's it, it's creating of it's the creator of all kinds of illnesses. You have to get to the place where you start to manage your stress and take you know take the at least one day in the week off and and focus on just getting well and just relaxing because that is so important. I just want to ask finally, what at what stage or when does a couple know? that it's time to get professional help because so often um, there are things that we can do on our own and we can sort of fix the problem ourselves. But there will be times when actually it's it's best to, to seek the services of someone like yourself who can perhaps uh, provide a bit of an intermediary, a mediator uh, to help and, and offer a professional perspective. When, when, when are the sort of the red flags that that might be a good idea? So that's a great question. I normally recommend to people when I do talks as well that if you have if you have tried in your in your relationship to resolve by by, by talking and, and it seems like you're talking and you're talking around in circles and you're getting nowhere, I think that's the first cue that perhaps we need some professional help, and it may be due to a lot of problems, you know, childhood trauma, uh, trauma in your adulthood, you know, uh, bad experience that that creates conditioning and, and conditions negative expectations about sex and sexuality or about love and relationships. So I think when you've tried yourself and you've read some books and you, and you communicated to one another and you, and you don't seem to get anywhere and you have, you know, even if, you, if, it, if it transforms into frequent fighting and feelings of disconnect, that's the time that, you know, you're, you're almost too late. Mm. So when you feel that you've, if you're speaking, but you don't get anywhere, get some professional help. It's, it's, it's not a, a shame to get that. It's, it's actually uh, unwise not to get it because if you want to stay in a healthy relationship, the, the people are there. How common is it that people will... Uh, is there normally one partner who is more willing to engage in the therapy than another? Yeah, that's a, that's a whole philosophical question and I, <laughs> and I feel so passionate about it. Because of the androcentric world, especially in the West, and this, this patriarchal society, uh, it's in my practice about 70% of the time women coming for therapy and dragging their, 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 their partners into mm, therapy as mm. well. And, uh, and that's a problem. In that, that is a problem. But um, I would love to see more men in, in going to therapy and, and be proactive protecting relationships because it's good for both them and their, their spouses and their relationship, obviously. Something I've, my practice Something I've always wondered about sex therapy, having not had it myself, is my, my image of it is that you go in and you speak constantly about sex for 60 minutes and then you say, thanks very much, time's up and they go. But I'm guessing that that's actually not, not very realistic. I mean, d- how often um, or, or, or what percentage of, of the time do you actually spend speaking about sex and how much of the time is really around other issues like stresses, the stuff that we've mentioned, fears about um, uh, things that can impact on our intimacy that are, that are actually not to do with sex. Sex is influenced by psychological, medical, uh, social and cultural issues. So I would guess, you know, obviously this is now very unscientific. It's based mm. on, on a feeling. 
that about 60 to 70 percent of the time you'll spend on sex and sexually sexual related issues and and the rest with outside uh, problems but the reason why i spend so much time on that is because you do ask your couples to go into exercises which and you have to describe the exercises properly to them and i think that's the reason but more often than not in session it can a session can re- revolve completely around the psychological problem that that can use your sex life uh, i would say yeah, i would guess it's about um, 60 to 70 percent of the time you will still speak about sex mm. uh, because if that's the primary symptom of a relationship mm, mm. and if you ascertain that it is also a primary functional sexual functioning problem Interesting, very interesting stuff. Rian, before we let you go, please just give your details in case people would like to get in touch with you. Thank you. It's, uh, the, the number is 0826585668 and you can also find out our details on the website mytherapy.co.za. Great stuff. Always a pleasure to have you on, Rian. Thanks so much for joining Thanks. us. Thanks, Rian. Have a good day.